0: Let me welcome all of you here today. Can you just give it up for Kanji for that amazing time of worship? Come on, guys, that was epic! That was amazing, just time in worship. Uh, we, really too, we pray that God will bless you and just uh, continue to equip you for uh, a generation that a generation may learn to worship a king. My name is Kevin Kilonzi I believe I'm new to most of you uh, when I'm a young, among young people I go by the name Kev the Rev and so I'm glad to be here today I'm from Movuno Church and I want to bring greetings from our senior pastor, pastors, uh, pastor Wanjau and Pastor Caro. can you just celebrate my senior pastors guys they are amazing Uh, I I know (laughs) I shout out to my wife uh, 10 years over here people 10 years of marriage Uh, 10 years this September and as I like to say uh, between us we have 20 years of marriage experience Uh, together we have a son his name is Sean Uh, he's turning uh, turning 9 in July and uh, we thank God for that Uh, most of you have not been to Kenya so I got the privilege of just showing you the beauty of all. oh come on look at my country this is a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you're, oh yes, and if you're single, we have honeys as well. You can come over there and marry one of them. Uh, our country is beautiful. Uh, we are known for marathon running. In fact, one of our ladies there just broke the world record, Faith Kipyegon, if you don't know. And so if you marry any Kenyan, you'll be running for your rest of your life. Uh, You'll run. You can even run for president and win because we we are winning in everything that we run in, Uh, running stomachs and everything. This is our beautiful country. I just want to welcome you to visit. When you hear people coming over to Kenya, this is not this is not like a picture that you know that has been polished. This is what you can take on your phone, you know. So so let me just welcome you over there. Can we just appreciate our pastors? uh, Pastor Dallas. I can see Kelly. I can see. Uh, uh, Pamela and the global team Pastor Mungai, these guys are amazing uh, they have you in their hearts and they pray for you and so when you see them around appreciate them because it takes a lot to be able to put something like this every month and so uh, the leadership team here at Mar- Marinas and uh, through your lead pastor, senior pastor Pastor Eric, we truly do uh, bless God for you guys back at home uh, you are doing a great job now a story is told about this pastor who uh, came to, when I say pastor, it's pastor, but, you know, in Kenya we pronounce every syllable. Uh, it was written there for a reason, so we need to dignify it and, you know, <laughs> pronounce it, that's the reason. Anyway, though, so this pastor walked over to his church and he said, uh, uh, he said every member of his church is going to die. And so someone at the back started laughing. So the pastor was like, this guy didn't hear me. So he invoked the name of Jesus. He said, I was speaking to him yesterday. And he said, every member of this church is going to die. Now the guy is laughing, beating the floor. He's like, you guys are done. He's laughing. So later on, after the service, the pastor walked over to him and said, why is it that when I said every member of this church is going to die, why is it that you kept on laughing? And the guy looked at the pastor and said, well, pastor, I'm not a member of this church. (Laughter) <laughs> And I want you to know that now that you've come to the meeting for 20s and 30s, you are a member of this church. Amen? So whatever we are going to say today, you are part of it. Don't start laughing and say, you guys are admiring as you have it. You heard it coming. So whatever we are teaching, I want you to believe it. This is God's word for you. I tell your neighbor, I'm here. I might as well enjoy. <laughs> and so whatever you're going to teach here, it's your word. I take it to heart. Desire to apply it. And so what I, what, I, what I want to encourage you is pick out your phone or something you can write in uh, for my own self-esteem issues. Let me see a story I've said. <laughs> Let me believe I've said something epic to be written. People from my country sent me all this way. Please, write one thing. For the sake of, you know, just, uh, I can go back and say, guys, when I was talking, they were writing. The Lord moved, even if it's your hand. Move it. I need to go back and say uh, when I taught people moved, even if it's your handwriting. Anyway. I always start with a question of the day. This is the time you turn to the person seated next to you, whom we otherwise call your neighbour, uh, and, and you know you can ask them their name, ask them for their phone number. Kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I want you to discuss this question. What are some things you would do if you had all the money that you ever needed? Come on, turn to the person seated next to you and discuss that question. Five marks. What are some things you you do or definitely do if you had all the money that you ever needed? Talk to them what are some things i'll do Let me give you 30 seconds, 30 seconds to conclude that. All right. Let's hear. Let's hear. Who would like to share? Who would like to share their story? It's well, it's your truth. So who would like to Share one thing, one bold person who went to USCLA or something like that. Someone who would like to share what, what you definitely, oh, come on, give it up for this lady over here. Okay, I had four things. <laughs> okay, I would do more traveling, um, more time with my family, stop working and have lots of babies. <laughs> Are you single? There's a man over here. Oh, she's single and she wants babies, people. Don't say I didn't tell you. All right, someone on this side, you paid as well. Someone on this side. What would you do? One person. All right, someone on this side. Someone, someone, anyone. No, S- oh, there's a hand. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll give it up for Kevin, everyone. That's right. Um, well, I said I would uh, get a chef for sure. Like, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have a chef, but then my wife said, "Well, if you had all the money, I'd stay at home, and then I could be your chef." That's what she told us. So, yeah. I know she's like, "Then what am I doing? I'm already cooking." <laughs> Good stuff. We all we all have something that would you know want to do someday. We all have that thing, uh, some dreams in our bucket list that you know I would hope to accomplish this someday. Some exciting experience that we want to be part of. Uh, we all have dreams uh, that are you know a little bit far away. Uh, something in the future. Something that we'll get to someday. But in the meantime we get caught up. We have to contend with life now. Do you feel that? Yes, we want to do it. I want to have babies but I have to contend with life now. Uh, we, we have, we, we, it's, it's a would-be exciting future but somehow we are here and now we have to be caught up right now. You know, one day I'm going to do this and that. One day I'm going to have this and that. One day I'm going to visit here and there but the problem is are you tracking with me are you tracking with me or the idea is to say yes. Oh, yes are you tracking with me yes. oh also when I say what a shock you say what a shock what a shock. Oh, shock when I say what else do I say when I say come on man you say amen come on man amen. all right so the idea is that you respond as well as I teach all right uh, I also paid to be here so so we we share the load <laughs> We share the Lord. The problem for many Christians is this, that many times are you you tracking with me? Many times serving God falls in that dream category. Oh, come on people. (laughs) We have some things that we want to do someday when I finally made it we want to do it, but many times for us as believers, sometimes serving God falls in that dream category. One day when I'm old enough, one day when my career is settled, one day one day when I get uh, uh, my money right, one day when my business is in shape, one day when I finish raising my kids, one day when I finish my master's or education level, one day, watch these guys, I'm going to serve God so good! Sorry, I just sounded like a but <laughs> let me just... <laughs> One day I'm going to serve God so good. <laughs> you watch this space. Once I'm done with organizing my life, just watch me. I'll be the guy in church that is being been referenced. And so don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not saying these things are wrong. I'm not, and, and they are valid in many ways. But many times serving God comes at a competition with what we want for our lives. And interestingly, we are not the first generation. To, 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 say, to say it that way What a shocking shock We are not the only generation that has ever done that And so the Bible tells us about a group of people Who stood by this belief uh, We're going to be reading them In a book that you often don't read A book that you often don't quote Probably you've never heard of it But I'm going to be teaching you through that today uh, Some guys in the book of Haggai Or as we say in Kenya, Haggai Hagai. so so this is what Haggai chapter 1. You can turn there if you have your phone and you have a Bible app or you can Google Haggai chapter 1 and be shocked that there's a book called Haggai. Um... Uh, but basically there was an, uh, basically what had happened is that the, the nation of Israel had sinned. They had rebelled against God. And so God had allowed them to go into exile in, in, in the nation of Babylon. And for 70 years they'd been in Babylon. For 70 years they'd been in exile. And then a new king comes and 70 years have ended. And, and they get permission to go back to Jerusalem and to start rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the city, rebuilding uh, the walls. And at that time, led by a guy called Zerubbabel... About 50,000 Jews returned to their home country. And for two years, man, they start doing the work of rebuilding the temple. And for two years, the foundation is just right. And they celebrate. They throw a bash. There is a party everywhere. They've been able to bring the rebuilding of the temple up to the foundation level. But then there were some enemies of the Jews. And those guys truly discouraged the Jews. They spoke back, you know, badly about them. And guys got discouraged. And they, hold, they, they held the rebuilding of the temple. So the foundation is done, but they stopped there. And they kept on feeling we'll get to it someday. But then the problem is that time kept on passing, and 18 years went by. Come on, people. 18 years! What a shock! <laughs> 18 years went by, and nothing is happening. The, 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 like, a child has been born, and now they're in university, and Nothing! Is happening, the, the, everything has been stalled at the foundation level. Now, God sent Haggai at this point to come and talk to them and tell them uh, some of the things that they were experiencing in their personal lives as a result of what was happening at the temple of God. So, let me read Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 says, This in the second year of King D- Darius or Darius or Darius, whichever, <laughs> uh, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. To Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says: These people, read with me the orange part. These people say. Then the Lord, then the word of the Lord uh, came through the prophet Haggai, verse three, verse uh, four, and five. It says, "Is it time for you yourself to be living in your paneled houses?" while this house remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Read with me. Give careful thoughts to your ways. ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a pass with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give to your ways. And then it concludes at verse 8. says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that as we dive deep into it that, yeah, allow us to see and to give careful thoughts to our ways. Most I want to pray that each and every one of us may locate ourselves in the story so that we don't disqualify ourselves, but allow you to speak into our situations. In them, I do pray and believe. And all of us said. So the the, the children of Israel had gone back. For two years, they've started rebuilding uh, the temple. The foundation is done. Then for 18 years, the the, the job has been forgotten. No one is uh, getting to do that. And we see in verse 2, the mindset is shared with us in verse 2. And it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come. To rebuild the house, they kept on feeling it's not just time yet. People were busy sorting themselves out, but uh, they're but at the same time, as as they are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the God's temple. At the same time, something else was happening in their personal lives. And in verse four, uh, we see. So they are saying the time for rebuilding God's house is not there. But then you. Take a look at their own personal lives. And verse 4 says this. Is it time for you yourself to be living in your paneled houses when this house remains in, in ruin? People were sorting themselves out. Their businesses were advancing. Their careers were moving forward. But they were living in paneled houses. And the paneled houses here says it's not just about their, their, their needs that were being met, but they'd moved to luxury, comfort, and convenience at the expense of rebuilding God's house. Now, I want to talk to you today because you may look at mariners and how it's built and wonder what are we to build? What a shocking shock! But the primary equivalent of building God's house today is multiplying the followers of Jesus. Come on. The primary equivalent of rebuilding God's house today is multiplying the followers of Jesus. What we in Christian circles call discipleship. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's fields and who? You. People. People are God's fields. People are God's building. First Peter chapter 2, chapter two verse 5 says this. You also, like living stone, are into a so who's the house? We are. So what was in the Old Testament, the temple, in the New Testament, it's you and I. But the Bible says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are being built up into God's house. We are. God's building as a community of believers. And so the primary equivalent of building God's house today is multiplying the followers of Jesus. God's building today is people. Your primary call as a follower of Jesus is to make disciples. Amen. And so many of us, we get the foundation right. Come on. We give our lives to Jesus. But that's just the foundation. We, we have done the right thing. You you get the foundation right and then you realize, wait, I have a life to live. And for 18 years, it's very possible that you get going, building, you know, houses with panels and you neglect the building of God's house, making disciples. Why? Because many times we find that you have priorities that are higher in our to-do list than multiplying the followers of Jesus. And we often say to ourselves... You know, I'm not able to serve God right now because I'm too young, because I'm too busy, because I don't feel qualified, because I'm not a pastor. My career is different. I have financial problems, marital issues, health complications. My business is still young. My kids still need lots of care. And so all these reasons sound valid at the first value, but in effect, God's agenda keeps back on the side. It keeps on being neglected. And a guy comes and he's trying to correct that faulty thinking to the people of Israel because uh, 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 it, you know, it, for them it felt more practical to do their own thing at the expense of God's thing. And in verse 5 and in verse 7, twice within that short passage of Scripture, God says this to them. Read with me. Give careful thought to your ways. Friends, 20s and 30s, analyze your life. See what results you're getting. Is that how you want to continue living? Is this all that life is meant to be? It's very possible that the results you're getting today are because of the choices you're making. And so God talked to them through the prophet Haggai and he gives them five things. Tell, tell your neighbor five results uh, of why they were exp- some things that they were experiencing as a failure uh, to prioritize God's work. And I believe those five results that they experienced back in the day are still the five results you experience today when you fail to prioritize God's work. You may have the foundation right. You are going to heaven. That's not in question if you've given your life to to Jesus. But that's just a foundation. There's still the rebuilding of God's temple that you need to get into. Are you ready for the five reasons? If you don't want them, I'll take them back to Kenya. Do you want them? Do I take them back to Kenya? I can take them to Liberia. Do I go to Liberia? All right. All right. Are you going to write them down? Alright, number one. When you fail to prioritize God's work, your work becomes unfruitful. That speaks of unfruitfulness. This is what verse 6a says. Verse 6a says, You have but unfruitfulness. You have planted much but harvested little. The the picture here is of someone who hustles a lot. They put in time, they put in effort, they put in thinking in their business, their career, but despite all their hard work, the results they get are not commensurate to the effort they've been investing in. And many of us today, you can look at your life and you realize, in spite of all my education, can't still get to have a good job. Oh yes, I go for job interviews, but then they tell me not to call them, they'll call me and they never get back to me. And at some point, you're like, I'm going to save you airtime. I'll call you back every day. (laughs) Yes. But then, you know, they never get to pick up your call. Somehow, you have great ideas, but none of them gets to be established and fruitfulness. And God is saying, give careful thought to your ways. Maybe the the, the things that you're experiencing are uh, symptoms of something else. God is a God of blessing. And when you work in God, there's fruitfulness. Hard work is good. I'm not saying hard work is bad. But when you put in hard work and there's less results, that's unfruitfulness. And you have to come and reconsider and say what is happening. Give careful thought to your ways. Maybe the results you're getting today could be because of the choices you're making. Number two, when you fail to prioritize God's work, you won't keep up with your needs. You won't keep up with your needs. That speaks of scarcity. This is what verse 6b says. It says, you eat but never have enough. Speaks of someone who's always consuming, but regardless of how much they consume, they always have more needs. There's more money. Uh, there's more month at the end of their money. You know, their needs always. Uh, uh, their, 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 their needs always outstrip their supply. You have a job, but you're always broke. You got the promotion, but you're still broke. I you know, there's a time my wife and I calculated and we were like, if we just get this extra money, we are good. Then my boss, as awesome as he is, he gave me, he gave us that extra and we're like, ah! Where did the money go? I thought, well, we just get the money, right? We'll be better! But then, you, you have the money, right? But then, you know, the need is still there. And you wonder, what a shocking shock. What's happening here? You know, you buy food and we're like, this shopping will last us the end of the month. By day 15, what a shocking shock indeed your prayer was answered but the need is still there God is not a God of scarcity people God is a God who gives over and above so that in all seasons having all you need you can be found faithful with every good work that's what the Bible says and so it's very possible that the result you're getting today could be because of the choices you're making number three when you fail to prioritize God's work you never get satisfied Speaking of unfulfillment, look at this verse. It says, you drink but never have your fill. You drink but you never have your fill. This is a person who has all, I mean, they, they, they have it. They, they, you can drink whatever you want but you'll never get quenched. You never got, get, quite get the kick that comes with that consumption. You never get a sense of satisfaction regardless of how much you have. The richer you get, the more dissatisfied you feel. The more you earn, the more miserable you are. You know, you, you get the job of your dream, but you hate going to work. You move to the neighborhood you wanted, but you never get to see the house in, day, you know, in daylight because you're always somewhere else. Never getting to enjoy what God, God has given you. You have a beautiful family, but you can't seem to get along. You have kids, but now they're they are, they are like, they are, they are driving you crazy. You guys... When we got our first, well, our only son, when we got our son, uh, you know, and we took him from the hospital, went home, uh, you know, it's amazing, until you realize they cry. (laughs) And let me tell you, after two days, I wanted to call the hospital and ask them, what's your return policy? (laughs) There's a package we came with. don't get me wrong he started laughing afterwards but you know at some point you you, you are just you know dissatisfied you, there's there's no joy in that sense god is not a god of frustration god is a god of satisfaction come on somebody god is a god of satisfaction and so it's very possible that the results you're getting today could be because of the choices you're making number 4 are you tracking with me guys when you fail to prioritize god's work you lose your protection Speaking of vulnerability, you lose your protection. Verse 6, uh, towards the you know, middle there, verse 6D uh, says, you put on clothes but are not warm. We would say that the cold is in your bones. You're vulnerable. You have stuff today, you know, but you don't have a conviction that you'll have them tomorrow. You're prone to frequent accidents and illogical illnesses, you experience breakage, destruction, and necessary loss. You make money, but other people enjoy it. Uh, you know, uh, people always seem to take advantage of you. You go without protection. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that as a Christian, you don't get to experience trouble. That's what I'm saying. But many times, believers are enduring things that they have no business of enduring. And so when you go through some of these things, you want to give careful thought to your ways to ask yourself, am I going through it because God has allowed it as a way to strengthen me, or am I going through it because it's symptoms of something else? Am I making sense? So I'm not saying it's everything that you're going through and go like, oh, I'm not building God's house. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying there are some things that you could be going through because you've neglected the rebuilding of God's temple. uh, the, The fifth... Uh, uh, thing that they went through. Uh, when they fail to prioritize God's work, you lose even what you get. Perpetual loss. This is what it says in verse 6. It says, you earn wages only to put them in a pass with holes. Isn't that a bad thing? Yeah. I don't know about you guys here, but sometimes in Kenya, you know, we, we, we there's a time right now we have a lot of, you know, mobile money and plastic money, cards, and stuff. But for a while, we really used to use paper money and coins and stuff. Like that's, That was the currency available. And so the worst thing was to put... like, you're, you're in town somewhere and you put your fare in your pocket. Then as you go to take the, the, the bus, you put in your hand and you go straight. And you realize the thing that you, you felt touch your, your ankle at some point X where X is greater than or equal to 30 minutes ago, was actually your fare. That was your money. Pocket with holes. They are pocket. They seem to keep, give protection, but there's, the, 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 it's, it's not giving the satisfaction or the, 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 the protection that it promised to give. And maybe you're there. Devourers everywhere. You're constantly missing, losing, losing things. You know, your story is a story of loss, losing money, losing opportunities, losing relationships, losing customers, losing business. And again, be careful. I'm not saying that every misfortune is a sign of judgment. I'm just saying that when it happens, you need to go back and reevaluate and say, could it be a symptom of something else? That's why God is saying, give careful thought to your... Because the results you're getting today could be because of the choices that you're making. And maybe you're here and you've experienced unfruitfulness. You've experienced scarcity and fulfillment. You've experienced vulnerability, perpetual loss. I want to invite you to tune in a little bit more with me as I bring this uh, uh, someone to a landing. I want you to tune in with me because God's word goes ahead and gives them a way out. And he tells them, this is what you're experiencing. You're eating no fulfillment. You're drinking, not satisfied. Your are earning wages, put them in. And he gives them a way out. And we see this way out in verse 8. And he says, he says, Go up into the mountains and and so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Three words that I want you to come out of here with. Number one, go up. Number two, Bring down. Number three, build. Okay, let's say it together. Number one, number two, number three, go up. Speaks of surrender. You know, God is inviting them to go up the mountain and find wood and bring it down to build the temple. Going up, surrender is not easy. Because you sort of have to leave your comfort and convenience of your paneled house and somehow leave it all behind and see it fade in the background as you go up the mountain. And it's a treacherous road. You know, people don't make roads in the mountain. Okay, you know, for most part. (laughs) So you have to sort of navigate rocky stuff. Go up the mountain. Surrender your will to God's will. Friends, there is never a convenient time for you to serve the Lord. You just have to say, say, this is the season, this is the time I'm going to give it all up and go up the mountain. There's a cost to following Jesus. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14 verse 33. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciples. Following Jesus is about surrender. Following Jesus is not a prayer that you say so that you can get fire insurance from hell. That's just the entry level. Following Jesus is about saying, not my will, but your will be done. Even if it means going up the mountain and leaving my house. There's a place of surrender that God is calling us. Salvation is not a feeling. It's a decision that you have to make on a daily basis to accept God's will over your life. It's not easy, but that's an invitation. And if you choose to do that, then you start living life to the fullest because the one who created you knows exactly what he created you for. And as you surrender your will to his will, many times you think that, you know, God is waiting for us to surrender so that you can say, ha, 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 I know what to do for you. I'm going to make you miserable. You're going for a mission on Somalia or something like that. No. <laughs> you give up and, and you, God actually puts you in the place that he created you for. Yeah, you start living life to the fullest. Or you may not have everything as far as earning is concerned, but what you earn makes sense because it's on mission. You know, everything is focused in that sense. And so go up means that you have to surrender. I don't know what God is inviting you to surrender today. For some of you, God is inviting you to surrender a pain. Some of you, God is inviting you to surrender a career or something like that. Some of you, God is inviting you to surrender a sin that you've been struggling with. God is inviting you to surrender a relationship that you know is toxic and is not leading you anywhere. God is inviting you to surrender, you know, a, 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 an identity thing that you've taken on to yourself. People have to see you a certain way. And maybe that car you're driving is continuing to grind you in debt so that you can be seen a certain way. And Lord is saying, you know, should have bought a Honda. What do you say? Yeah. Should have bought a Honda, but, you know, in, in tongues. Yeah. Just maybe, maybe that's what the Lord is inviting you to surrender today because this thing you're pinning your identity on is not going to help you. It's a pass with holes in it. Number two is bring down. Speaking of resources. Some of God tells them, go up the mountain and they were to invest their, their sweat, their bodies to cut timber. This is something they did and they were to bring the result of that work back down. Resources. They want to invest their labor and bring the results of their labor to build God's house. And something God, you know, will demand resources and and sacrifice from you. In the Bible, there's literally nowhere in the Bible where you see people worshiping without a sacrifice. Worship is not a song that moves your emotion. As much as that is good. But that's just beginning. Worship is you move by emotion and then you give of yourself to God. Otherwise, the Bible says, these people are worshipping me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Many times if you want us to know you are a true worshipper, don't show us your prayer list. Show us your shopping list. Come on. Oh, what a shocking shocking deed. Oh, yes. We are all worshippers until the pastor says, tithe! Hey! We are all worshippers until you hear people going on a faith adventure and they're asking you to support them and you're like, I am busy right now. I'm, you know, I have a shopping list right now. What a shocking shock. We thought you worship, But it's a song that moved you. Show us your wallet and we'll tell you how, how spiritual you are. Oh, yes. Serving God will demand of us to give. A follower of Jesus must be willing to say, you know, as believers, many times we think that God only owns the first 10%, the tithe. And so many times, even me, sometimes I tithe in church, I'm like, God, we are done. Now let me whatever I have to do. Like the 90% is mine, God. Don't tell me until next month, God. Friends, God owns 100%. He tells you what to do with the first 10% but then he's still expecting you to wait on him for what to do with the, 90%. What a shocking shock. Oh, yes. So after you've done the 10%, perhaps God shows up after two weeks and says, what did you do with the 90% of my money that was entrusted to you? Because God owns, you manage. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, (laughs) sometimes you, you need to be able to come and say, Lord, what you gave me, I paid rent. I paid this. I did this. I did this. Yeah, I was still found faithful as a steward. And it's the person who's found faith with little that much is added. Amen. Yeah. I wish I would tell you there's a, you know, a quicker, shorter way, but my personal conviction and, and experience is that when you've been found faithful with little, God is like, ah, finally someone who knows how to take care of resources. Give them more. They know how to manage my resources. And so somehow you have to say that your car, your house, your job, your money, your family, your time, your reputation is really God's car, God's house, God's job, God's money, God's family, God's time, God's reputation. It has to become to that level. And, and, and your work, go up. That work that you put in, that timber, that space you spend, you, are, you know, eight to five sort of deal, that place has to start rep- re- representing God's nature. Yeah. It ham- well, there's a congregant in our church who, who is, um, they, their job is, um, they, they, they develop projects here, yeah? real estate. And as this conversation, as we held conversations like this of how is your workspace representing God's, you know, nature and, and helping to advance God's kingdom, they started building their houses, and on the top floor, they'd build a church. yes. And they started inviting Mavuno Church to plant a church in every block. And now their block are like 4,000 people and, and stuff, like, like many people. But at the top, they build a church and they install a, chap, uh, you know, a chaplain there who takes care of the block spiritually, but it's a church on Sunday. And so currently, everywhere they are developing a project, a church is being built. Come on, somebody even as our prayers is lord give them land lord help them to develop lord we we travel in the spirit for them is your pastor losing sleep because of your job yeah it needs to become at that level let me just say it slowly do you know when muslims build they, there's always a mosque in every project yeah, in Kenya, you know, they're building many malls, and there's always a mosque somewhere because their job is not different from who they are, as, as you know, in their belief system. It's only Christians who this is my spiritual life, and then this is my real me. We need to sort of integrate them. Let me finish this so that I can be invited next year. <laughs> <laughs> Psalms one twenty-two verse nine says this. says, for the sake of your house. Oh, come on, somebody. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. That David got to that point where he was saying, for the sake of God's house, I'm going to seek his prosperity. And it brought meaning to every war that he engaged in. Finally, build. Build speaks of engaging, engagement. God doesn't say, go up the mountain, bring down timber, and give it to qualified contractors, called pastors so that they can build my house. What a shocking shock. He says, go up, bring down you, 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 20s and 30s, you build. Don't bring them to Dallas for them to go ahead and... You build. You run a rooted group. You start a life group. You invite, oh, come on somebody. You do it because the Lord wants you. The pastor's job is to bring you over here, inspire you, and then send you out to meet with your people for do it! You do it! That's who you are created to be. Can I just invite the music team to come and give us a music so that you can just conclude this? Come do something emotional and then we'll worship. <laughs> you were created to be a kingdom builder. You were put here on earth and the day you gave your life to Jesus, that's the day you started living your life of significance and purpose because God is inviting you to build God's house. There is no other way that your family, that your neighbors, that your workmates are going to encounter Jesus unless you start saying they are God's house and God's building and I'm here so that I can be able to fish them out. God wants you to represent him everywhere you are as a kingdom builder. Is God against you living your life of purpose and developing your career and having nice things? No. God is not the enemy of progress. God wants you to succeed in every way the question you are having tonight is a question of priority are you doing these things as a priority in and of themselves or are you doing them as a, you know, as, a, as a subservient to a higher priority of seeking God and his righteousness and all these things being added unto you Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness everything we have, everything else that we are seeking for, family, is a zero tell your neighbor it's nothing Tell your neighbor, it's, no- it's nothing. Tell them it's re- like serious. Tell them it's nothing. The car is nothing. It's a zero. The house is nothing. It's a zero. The relationship is nothing. It's a zero. And the problem is that we seek for many zeros. Then towards the end of our life, we look for the one. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so all these zero make nothing because the one is at the very end. But the Lord is saying seek first. Then every other zero makes sense. Come on, somebody. Every other zero will make sense. Your relationship will make sense. Your car will make sense. Your house will make sense. Ch- come on, somebody. Seek first. Do it first. Let it have priority. Let it... Oh, come on. Seek first. Seek fast. You may start small but you'll be doing something. We start by arranging chairs, helping out with the sound, running the pro presenter, arranging meals, telling your friend, come over, being an usher, but you'll be doing something. As you become faithful with that, God will keep on expanding your horizons on what it means to build God's house. My prayers that we'll see Anami arise. Because there's a generation spinning out of control, people. We cannot be comfortable. There's a generation that is dying without knowing Jesus. Yet, the King of Glory lives in our hearts. Something needs to shake us into an unstoppable army of young people. And we go out into the world and make a difference. Young men who say, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, as for me and my business, as for me and my career, we will serve the Lord. People who are willing to serve the Lord at any capacity. People who are willing to pay any price. So that you can see our generation call on the name of the Lord. You can start by being a facilitator at the high school ministry and the junior high camps. Be a rooted group facilitator. Show up on Tuesdays. Dallas takes you through the book of Ephesians. Commit to give financially every month. Go out on a faith adventure. Start somewhere, but do something. Start somewhere, but do something. Start somewhere, but do something. Let me ask you just to bow down your head and pray for yourself right now. Why is the Lord is inviting you to go up? And why is he telling you to bring down? And so Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and kindness. Thank you for your grace and mercies. We thank you for you're a good God and you're a loving Father. And this night, we don't want to just hear that as a message. But we want to take it as our running call. That each of us will surrender our own comfort and convenience, our paneled houses, and we'll go up, go up in our offices, go up in our neighborhoods, go up in our alumni classes, and we'll just be able to bring down, and we ourselves will do the work. We'll roll up our sleeves, and we'll do the work. Give us the grace to do so. In Jesus' name.